on this episode of Building Men Training Camp for the Soul with Anat Perry. Anat Perry is a transformational coach who specializes in developing her clients' emotional resiliency as the access to gaining their power back that was lost to traumas and limitations that were learned in some point in their life. With over 16 plus years in developmental work, Anat has helped hundreds of people create the life they desire. Her deep work allows you to discover what you truly want, create a clear path to success, master being with your emotions, and create a happier life. This is as real, raw, and authentic as Anthony and I have gotten during a Building Men podcast, and we definitely owe a knot for the therapy session we go on during the next hour and a half together. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. And welcome to the Building Men Podcast. Become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. What's going on, brother? Nothing, man. I feel good. I feel... I'm trying to be aware of my voice right now. I really want to make it sound like I'm a podcaster. I feel like we were talking about that before. Do you yeah. s- notice the mm. going down a little bit there? Yeah, a, little, like that? a couple decibels. Yeah, it's going to go up voice. in a little bit, but I yeah. thought I'd just start out that way because all of a sudden I'm getting like, excited <laughs> in what I'm saying. It's going gonna, it's gonna to rise up. But yeah, I feel good. How you, are you doing? You I'm feel great. We're, yeah. This is going to be the episode that goes viral. We we did a, a little pre-talk beforehand. This is the, the big one. This is the Manifest big episode. Manifest that so shit. We, yeah. We're manifesting. It's already right done. Now. It's done. We're just kind yep. Up with it, yep. and we just came off um, an interview with Chris Marhefka, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what—I mean, that was a journey as well. I can't yeah. wait to talk to our guest today ab- about him um, because we were just—we were awestruck, right? We were—we I mean, were just really, um, you know, it, he was a, he's a beautiful man. He, he is really a beautiful is. Man. I just—I I couldn't I guess, get over it. I guess him in person, I didn't realize. How you didn't know I was going to go down that route either. No, I didn't. Again. I thought we would talk about something else because right. we have a different guest on, but you still want to spend time talking about Chris's. Li- Dennis has a massive a man, a man, man crush. crush, just a crush in general. I yeah, wouldn't even call a it a man. I think you just love him. Yeah. So, so I'll use that to segue <laughs> into Chris's partner in crime in training camp for the soul is our guest today. So not only is she the founder of training camp for the soul, she's also a coach and a spiritual guide and the second female guest in the history of the long storied building men podcast please welcome to the podcast anat perry anat welcome so good to see you thank you thank you for having me on here it's such a pleasure oh our pleasure totally our pleasure the lighting behind you looks perfect it's amazing the plants plants. i just i sense the energy yeah there's a whole feng shui thing going on is that the right way to say it i have you're asking me i ask you about all the (laughs) (laughs) are you kidding me right yeah you know you know guys that's what's missing for you there's a little bit of greenery yes yeah, that's it you just need a plant behind you mm-hmm. for that white wall oh it's you too much are white are you writing this down we're, we look like we're in an, an insane <laughs> asylum or something like that like there's padded walls yeah. Yeah, we need some color we're both wearing black right we feel Jesus. like that too sometimes oh yeah that's all you need home depot Depot gardens and uh you're good to go let's put that on the list put it get a ficus succulent we get even a have succulent. to be real it doesn't have to be yeah, yeah I mean, that's these, true. these these happen to be real mm. but you can get some that are uh you know yeah. don't take much 
Yeah, there's a, there's a whole vibe, there's a whole energy, and we definitely feel that in our, you know, we talked for a couple minutes beforehand, and like I mentioned, we had Chris on the podcast, and as soon as it started, I was like, wow, this is a good-looking man, and <laughs> it's like, I gotta ask a not, I mean, is, is he that good-looking in person, or was it all smoke and mirrors on the, uh... <laughs> was it the lighting? <laughs> was it the lighting? Was it the yeah. lack of greenery in the... He is, yeah. but he wasn't that good-looking when I met him two right. and a half years ago. It's a journey so... he went on. It, it's a journey. It's the more he's stepped into his his essence, like his truest, highest self. It he just he beams that. He yeah. totally beams that. But if uh, if you scroll in his Instagram, I think he deleted a lot of them. But um, I think I have some. Yeah, we also, gotta. We gotta uh, if you those. scroll all the way back, like three years ago, or just look, you'll see. Uh, the difference you'll feel the difference mm. too yeah he had like the so. short haircut he was clean shaven he was living this life that he thought we had we went on this whole dive of living an inauthentic life the life that people prescribe for you and not what you truly believe in and i feel like he kind of shed that shit along the way and became who he wanted mm-hmm. to become and a lot of that was based on your tutelage your inspiration your help my guidance your he guidance. did the work he did but the work definitely his uh, his willingness to do the work. And yeah. before we get into that that work that you're doing, I wanted to start off. You were you were an East Coast girl. You you grew up, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the on the East Coast. We're Jersey boys, and you grew up in Northern New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey in the house. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, I mean, I now live on the West Coast, which sorry to say is the best coast, but um, I really appreciate growing up in New Jersey. I think uh, we uh, it, it set me up. It set me up to have that that fire in me and that courage in me and that leadership in me. And I know what good food is. Yeah. Just, you know, I know what a good bagel is. I had a bagel this morning oh. with my girlfriend, and I'm like, this is good, but not like not like East Coast, not like New York, New Jersey. For yeah. real, yeah, yeah, bagels, pizza, definitely. Yep, those, bagels yeah, bagels and pizza. Out of doubt, exactly. And then, what about pork roll? Do you get any? Is there pork roll out there? I know, like Jersey is known for its pork roll. Uh, you know, Chinese food, no. Like, I was just thinking, what are the three things that I miss? Or if I were to go spend a week in New Jersey, it'd be like bagels, pizza, and Chinese food. So, yeah. Chinese food, you don't really get here. No, I, Maybe if I go to, like, L.A. or San Francisco to, like, Chinatown and those areas. But definitely not San Diego. I think I only know of, like, maybe two or three. More Thai food. So, which yeah. is not something I ever had on the East Coast. I don't know that you guys have much Thai food oh. there, but I, yeah. I can, I've never, yeah, I've never Thai. had Thai food. Yeah. I don't do oh, Thai. All right. I think of um. Oh yeah. Meet the parents. I mean, it always goes back there. I know. I, I've I, said I, it before. I set you Jack up. talk Thai. <laughs> Jack talk Thai very well. <laughs> Such a good movie. Uh, so, <laughs> you, being an East Coast, um, East Coast girl, you were you grew up on the East Coast, grew up in Jersey. Was there a lesson that you learned that, like you mentioned, like that kind of fire, that you know tenacity? Is there anything else that you learned here that you brought out with you to the West Coast um, that you really don't see a lot out there of? Is there is there anything else mm-hmm. that you took from here? You're like, you know, that was a life lesson I learned mm-hmm. back over on the other side. Hmm. Being real. 
<laughs> and at the same time being sarcastic. <laughs> I think my sarcasm comes from there, like being willing to just um, at times uh, be silly. Um, but I'd say definitely like being authentic. So I think there's just more, um, we're just willing to say what others aren't willing to say and not sugarcoat things. So it could be for those that didn't grow up with that, it could be harsh, yeah. <laughs> it could seem that way, but in the long run, you're going to love me and you're going to thank me. And, and uh, yeah, and that's the thing. We When we talked, we met... Um a week, a week and a half ago, the first time we talked, you had mentioned that you spent a lot of time um, in your 20s and um, into your early 30s even where it was almost like you were doing things to please other people. You know, so there's mm -hmm. that, that dichotomy of like that East Coast, like tough, like, you know, um, you know, I'll fucking stomp thick on skin, you. Yeah, yeah, like thick skin thing. But also wanting to make people happy and pleasing people, which I, that resonates with me. Mm. I spent a lot yeah. of time in my life just, just wanting to please people just wanting to make people happy and not you know make any waves or bristle people the wrong way so i totally understand that so talk to us a little bit about about that you mentioned in your um when we yeah. first talked about your 20s like what was that journey like as you were kind of experiencing that like wanting to please people but also you're you're kind of torn because you, you knew it wasn't the most authentic version of yourself yeah so actually it was only a specific type of person my boyfriends, <laughs> whoever was my boyfriend, that was the area for me where I didn't have access to my authentic self, where I was really afraid to open up and to be vulnerable. And I was stuck in appeasing and pleasing, but the rest of the people in my life, oh, they got me. <laughs> I was always me. I was always real, all that. And it's actually something that my, my, my fiance right now um, noticed in the, a few months into us dating, he'd say, you're so different when we're around your friends than you are with me. And I would say, well, I think you get more of me. But really, um, now I could see that he, he wasn't. There were parts that like I just didn't feel safe or comfortable to. Um, and that really just goes back to what I learned in my childhood. So it's it's been a real journey to transform that part and it was something that i knew for a long time and i think it really took my person it took the right person um my current fiance current fiance my fiance <laughs> who loved me through it who for two years of our four-year relationship so far would say to me just be yourself just be vulnerable like i love you just be yourself just be vulnerable he would say that as we would hang out and engage in conversations and he was patient with me because i heard it uh but i in my in my nervous system i wasn't ready for that and as far as like what does that even look like because i've never done that in a love relationship um it, it, it was uh, it was like my exploration. It was, okay, I know what the word means and I have no framework for it. It wasn't modeled to me. And so I really feel that he, he guided me, he modeled it for me and he loved me through the moments that he still didn't get what he wanted, which was that. It's so interesting. And I wonder 
in those relationships that you mentioned, you, you didn't show up in a specific way in those relationships. Was it a, was it a type? Was it, were you searching out a specific type of individual that you would enter into a romantic relationship with and you've kind of repeated that same level or that same exact pattern? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's all learned behavior. And this is what I learned from the relationship I had growing up with my father. So for those that are listening, father, uh, from what I teach, (laughs) represents the first love in your life. It's your first experience of something outside of you loving you. So mom, you know, when you're in mom's womb, she's building that love for you with you over that nine months and you're in that energy and you don't know that that energy is not you and when you you're born and she holds you for the first time you feel that same familiarity so mom is 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 the self and that's what she models for you but then the very first time that dad holds you and he's you know oozing with love and it's really become real for him in that moment like wow i created this this is real uh there's this feeling of love but it's but it feels different dad's energy is different than mom's and in that moment you experience for the very first time something outside of you loving you and therefore dad is love is like love from others love from of the world um he represents everything that is not you and so depending on what your relationship is or and how much dad was there for you or not there for you will write that script of what's possible in love with others so for me my dad worked 16 hours a day running a hotel so do the math it was like 6 a.m he left 10 p.m he got home and you know we'd have a little bit of time together on the weekends we'd go to the beach as a family i have an older brother so the amount of like one-on-one time i got with dad the one which is the world which is one-on-one time with others right with love was very very minimal and so i i learned that that love isn't always there for you and that others will put something else before you that you're not important that you're invisible there were definite times in my life that i started to see that the way i operate is as if i don't exist so i'll give you an example and this is something i only recognized in my mid to late 20s if i was invited let's say you invited me to a dinner party and there were like 15 people there 10 people there and you were the only one that I knew, I'd show up to the party and I would sit next to you and I would talk to you and I probably wouldn't even make contact or look at or talk to, definitely not talk to anyone else that I didn't know. Because to, And how it would come off to people was as if, oh, she thinks she's better than everyone. She's so confident, which is part of like the persona that I survived in, that I put on 
But if you asked me, I would say, oh, no, no. I just think like, I don't, I don't matter. Like, why would people want to talk to me? It was the completely opposite. It was like, I'm invisible to you. Like, you don't, you don't want to give me your time. Cause that's what was modeled to me. And having that reflected and starting to see that I started to have the opportunity to choose something else to shift out of that. And something like that was, was minor, was easy. But something like real love, that that took up until my fiance. As much as I've been doing self-development work, been in the work, leading the work now for 16, almost 17 years, um, it's, you know how they say certain things can only be healed in love. And I think it's things like that, like matters of the heart uh, for me. It's funny. When we had Chris on, there was a moment that I did this deep dive into a traumatic experience from my childhood and how it it, it manifests itself and it showed up in a way of, um, you know, feeling like I was getting, um, you know, uh, like abandoned. left or ab yeah. abandoned, like an abandonment thing that happened. I trace it all the way back to like when I was four years old in the moment as I was talking to him. As you share that story and, and thank you for sharing that story what I started to think about was one, you know, the, the whole father daughter love situation. Is it synonymous with fathers and sons? Is it the same yes. situation? And, and, and the reason why I ask is, um, I had a, a situation, a traumatic situation that happened when I was in middle school and it was, I was being bullied really severely by three older students. They were in eighth grade. I was in sixth grade. So I was 12 years old and they were 14 and they, uh, bullied me incessantly. It was, it was verbal. It was physical. You name it across the board. It really, it, it put me in a place of, I was afraid going into school every single day and I would avoid situations and, and opportunities where I might see them in the hallway and I would get off the bus and try to sprint home. Some days I made it, some days I didn't. And I got my ass kicked a whole lot during that time. And I remember my, my father wanted me to fight the kid. He's like, you need to go up and kick Frankie's ass. You need to go kick his ass. And I was afraid and I didn't move. I just froze. He said, you need to go fucking kick his ass. You know, I, I just went up and I talked to him. I arranged for you to fight him. You're going to go fight him. And I didn't move. I froze and he was so disappointed mm -hmm. in me. He left my room. Mm -hmm. He slammed the door. And then my mother comes in the room and she said, you just lost your best friend, your father. Because I wouldn't go mm. fight a kid. And, and I remember just mm. breaking down. And I was like, I, I shuddered in tears. And it was like one of those moments. And he really didn't talk to me for like two weeks, a month. That's how long it felt. And the reason why I mentioned that story is like, just to give you a little insight into my relationship with my father, our father. But what I started to recognize as I, you know, as you were talking was relationships that I would gravitate toward, romantic relationships, were people that were really like rough on me they were really like even mean to me in certain situations and i was like why why am i picking like why am i gravitating towards these people but it makes sense that that's what i knew that was what you know love meant and then also yes. i thought what did i do wrong what did i do wrong that my father doesn't love me anymore so i got into this constant cycle of people pleasing and not 
you know, showing up as me because I just wanted to make other people happy. So just uh, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that because it just, again, I feel like I, mm. I owe you a, a copay or something because it's, <laughs> it, it helped me kind of come to terms with a lot, like the people that have listened to the mm -hmm. podcast, that's a share, story that I've shared before, but it's one that really mm. hurt. It still hurts when I tell this story, yeah. you know, it's still, it still cuts me. So, um, I, that, it was yeah, just... the the the, tra the trauma wasn't actually the the bullying. No, the trauma is actually you. And 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 the way I define trauma is trauma is any experience that your nervous system did not have the capacity to be with. And so when your mom came in and she said that, or when your dad behaved that way, that was a shock to your system. And I imagine this major fear of like I just lost my 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 source of love like dad is your source yeah. for love mom is your source for safety dad's your source for love that that that's a shock to the system so yeah well we could uh i could help you move yeah. through that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's like again just listening to you it's amazing like trying to i'm thinking about my life and our lives and just unpacking everything you're saying and it's just so mm -hmm. relevant to what we've been through and our connection with our father and being 14 years apart and how different it was yeah. and how he wasn't present in my life at all and he was really present in my brother's life um and that wasn't by accident that was intentional and you know uh, we were just exposed to sports right away when we grew up and that was how we got approval from our father it was like you do good in sports mm -hmm. you get love you don't do well in sports yep. we don't i don't speak to you you know we don't have the same relationship unless you perform at where i'm expecting you to perform so all my life it was yeah. based off of performance right i needed to do well and if it, if i didn't I would be worried and anxious and so nervous and depressed and know that I disappointed someone throughout every aspect of my mm. life from that early experience. So it's like, again, it's amazing hearing this stuff and that connects all the dots when you talk about that. And yeah, yeah. I, I thought I went into education. I became a teacher, a coach, and then a principal. I thought I wanted to help people because I didn't want people to experience bullying. Uh, like I, as I told the story to myself, the story was about the bullying. I was bullied as a sixth grade student, but that's not the story. Yeah. You know, it took me a while, a while to get to the story, a real story and why it hurt so deeply as I told it. And it was because of that, because of, of what you just mentioned. And that the idea of that first love in your life, I never thought about it that way. You know, you think about mm -hmm. daddy issues and you think about females having daddy issues, you mm -hmm. know, and, and boys with that what is it the oedipus complex where there's mommy issues when you think mm -hmm. about trauma um and, and the, the fact that we went to the masculine feminine idea as well do you do you see that men and women um handle trauma in a different way do you feel like based on our sexes that we handle trauma in a different way or is it just trauma is trauma and people deal with it in their own way you handle it based on what you how you how you learned to handle it so and and you learn by what you saw what you heard and what you felt energetically so there were things that your mom and or your dad were dealing with battling with within them own their own self and how did they model to you how they handled that 
right? Did they turn to uh, shutting down and using alcohol? Did they get aggressive? Did, you know, did they meditate? Like what was modeled to you as this is how you handle when life doesn't go sunshine and rainbows, when life goes sideways. And so I, it doesn't have to do with um, feminine or, or whether you're female or male. It has to do totally with how you were raised. And, you know, and again, we've been in a patriarchy for a very long time where, you know, for the most part, yeah, men are raised to be tough and successful and win at everything. And that's the whole focus. And you can't cry. And so there's there's a that's very, very common. And then, of course, there's exceptions to that. And so. It's all based on whatever you learned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's, you know, post-traumatic growth. So there's people that have had traumatic experiences and whether like I, I have, um, I have a client that her mom was very abusive towards her, like physically, verbally, and she was able to take that and become a very, um strong woman who is if someone's hurt she'll run towards them like she's not afraid of that right so she was able to build her capacity to handle a lot of a lot of trauma a lot of scary experiences that people that maybe grew up um sheltered or you know in a vanilla life so to speak would be like uh i don't know what to do in this case so it's interesting as still working with educators and, and teaching teachers about community building practices, you know, proactive behavior, behavior management strategies, how do you engage students? I also do a lot of work with teachers around trauma and I talk to them about, especially in the last year or not, it's been so interesting. Teachers are teaching virtually, so they have to kind yeah. of reshift and, and, and understand how to do that. But one thing that they were able to see is what's going on behind the students on the camera, you know, you think about as students come into our classrooms and they're in front of us, you see how they show up, you know, think about it as an iceberg, you know, you, you can see things at the waterline or above, you get to, you can see something about, you know, maybe their gender, their ethnicity, um, physical characteristics, uh, people that they hang out with, maybe past performance in school behavior, things like that. But then there's so much that's happening under underwater that you can't see. And one of those things is trauma. Like we can't really see that. Um, and then teachers are now exposed to students' lives via Zoom or, or Google Meets where they're getting an opportunity to see what's going on behind them, their, their family situations. And my conversations with many teachers was they didn't realize that, wow, this is what Anthony was dealing with at home. I had no idea that as he's trying to learn, there's you know seven little kids and nine cats running around and mom is chasing dad with a frying pan. And you know it's, it's a wild scene. And it, it helped teachers yeah. realize how much these kids are dealing with on a regular basis. And I mention that because I don't think teachers are properly prepared to handle trauma. So when kids have those adverse childhood experiences, you know, between zero and 18 years old, those things like, um, you know, death of a family member, it could be incarceration, substance abuse, um, you know, it, even COVID was a, was a traumatic experience for kids having mm -hmm. to withdraw from interactions with people and everything was happening virtually. What do teachers need to know about trauma to help kids 
that are experiencing it in school? Mm. Hmm. Well, they need to be trauma informed. (laughs) Being trauma informed is learning a lot and understanding about self-regulation, about the nervous system, about how to be able to feel the energy um uh, yeah the energy of where the child is at and not just like talk at them but really listen and not just listen to the words that they're saying but really feel where their energy is at and match them there and be able to hold them there without getting overwhelmed like there's so much that's needed uh i mean teachers would be amazing there's many coaches that aren't trauma informed um so and and it really takes um getting grounded and embodied within themselves so these teachers need to do the work because half the time they're getting triggered and hijacked into overwhelm and therefore into some survival pattern which is either getting really rigid or controlling or aggressive in some way um or manipulative right and um that's uh that that's that's meeting fire with fire (laughs) that's more abuse that 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 doesn't serve and so um in my facilitator training the first it's a nine-month program and the first three months of it i let them know this is about your embodiment you're not you're not working with anyone yet this is the next layer and level of your embodiment and this is for graduates of my work so they've already had foundation work but it's like let's get you even one layer deeper because the more you can embody and you can sustain and hold and be with um, the better chance that whoever you're sitting across and working with that you'll have the capacity to support them it's like would you if you joined a gym um who would you have spot you someone that hasn't you know that's frail and hasn't done it themselves and that's never lifted that or someone that has been training for a while so it's the same kind of thing is that they they need to do it themselves first everyone needs to um face their traumas and said more lightly everyone needs to take their power back that's, to build back their inner strength. That is amazing. Uh, That's beautiful. Yeah. Our, thank you. Our power, we've given our power away to things that we, that we, that we faced or that we experienced that we're now scared to face. We've created, we've compartmentalized it and created just survival mechanisms and behaviors. And I'm just going to stay in my little safe bubble over here (laughs) where you are limited and therefore not in your full potential, not in your full power. And so we all get to heal our traumas and therefore take back our power and have resiliency emotional resiliency because at the end of the day 
life's going to keep handing you stuff like 18 months ago were we expecting a thing called pandemic no and that rocked a lot of people's lives in a way that they were not prepared for and life is going to keep handing us challenges through life whether it's just even the inevitable which is you know when when you have to face your parents mortality or your own mortality all these things and when things happen and they don't kill you you don't die from it what actually is happening some experience some sensation in your body that's it you didn't die you didn't end up on the street you asked this girl out you dated for a bit then she ended things with you you didn't die from it what happened oh we call that well i got heartbroken or my ego got hurt really it's some visceral some sensation and that's the thing that people run from or people avoid dating for example, to keep it light here, because they don't want to experience that again. What is that that you don't want to experience? A sensation? So when you can build your emotional resiliency, when you build your capacity to be with any tick, any sensation that happens, when your nervous system can handle that, then you're powerful. Then no matter what life hands you, you know that you can handle it. And that's what's important for all of us to get to. Because right now we're heading in the direction of more fear (laughs) is all that's being pushed on us. And so it's time to take a step back, look inward, feel the feels that are there and realize, oh, I can be with this. I can be with this and I can learn more and more how to navigate these sensations it's interesting thinking about you mentioned teachers and how they how they handle situations and you know that antiquated way like an autocratic type teacher who is i am i am the sage on the stage i am the one with the with the mic in my hand you will listen to me do as i say not really interested in how students learn all the way to a permissive teacher who's like I just want to be your best friend and we're going to draw rainbows and you're in charge of the mm. classroom and kids don't understand what what a boundary is and I often talk about like creating this balanced approach it kind of has to be they need to know that there are there are you know boundaries there are things there but also we want to hear your voice your voice needs to be a part of the space I think too about teachers don't have the a lot of teachers especially like you know I don't want to sound like ageist is that a ageism we'll go where it. go where it's you know, the old thing was like, you know, it's not everybody gets a trophy. It's not, um, you know, rub some dirt on it. Just, just deal with it. Uh, Coaches that I had that were really, I remember being shamed in, you know, in sports. Mm -hmm. So I don't think a lot of educators that we are imparting this power to like help our children grow and learn are really truly understanding of what trauma means and how to help mm-hmm. students that are dealing with themselves. Because like you mentioned, they have to understand and do the work themselves before you know, they can help someone else. That's the tricky mm-hmm. part is how do you get- It's the top down. Yeah, it's, and how, how can you get people to look at themselves in a way that's so scary and so uncomfortable to, to, to go through it? It's by saying it's, it's a vibration, it's an emotion. You can handle this. And once you step into it, you're like, you know what? 
uh, it sucks a little bit, but you know what? I was able to do it. I didn't die. I'm going to take another step into it, another step into it. That's the only way that it's going to change for kids is if teachers really understand that. Yeah. And it's the projection. It Like it comes up in projections in your life too. Like when you're holding on to all these emotions, you don't express them. They come up in other ways and they project them onto the students or what they haven't battled with themselves. And, you know, I just like, I feel like that's such a powerful thing that you said as far as the I've never heard that before emotional resiliency I would it just always refer to it as like emotional intelligence and as like a blanket statement but I love that because that's literally like tackling it head-on and sitting with the emotions themselves and you realize they're not that scary they are just vibrations like I ask people like what is fear what is anger what is mm-hmm. and usually it's like if you talk to at least men it's like they're happy or they're pissed you know or yeah like happy or angry those are the only two emotions that they know that's how they identify their entire life and you know i look at them and it's like well first of all get your vocabulary down with emotions and then when you feel something tell me what that feels like in your body so like you know anger or like anxiety for me when i'm really anxious it depends on what the anxiety is. Let's say I'm like high. I'm, if I'm like on, uh, I'm scared of heights, right? So it's like, that is like, I feel it in like this warm sensation in like my chest and like, honestly, like almost near like my balls. It sounds crazy, but like, I feel like it's like, I'm like getting this weird feeling like all throughout like the core of my body. And it's like warm and it's like a knot, but I don't really know. And, um, it's, it's so strange, but totally different from like, if I'm going to the anxiety of, if I'm going to give a speech, which is all up in my neck and I feel everything in here and it's sensation up through my neck and in my throat. Cause it prevents me from like speaking essentially whenever I'm about mm-hmm. to do like some sort of public speaking thing. So it's just, it's amazing to hear that and that emotional resiliency that you spoke about. Yeah. Yeah. So can I give you a couple of more tips or pointers oh, oh, yeah. help, help him help yeah. him with his balls please he yeah i just <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know how to say i was like my my pelvic floor no, yeah whatever it is what it is yeah um so we look at the felt sensations and naming it in many ways so does it have a temperature which you said a color a texture hmm. a size a shape is it a weight to it is it heavy is it light is it hollow so as many ways that you can laser focus on it and name it and and then just observe it just get curious about it the sensations and see if it changes um or dissipates or moves that's it the challenge is most of us are trying to fix it. How do I fix it? How do I make it go away? And when you do that, you're going back up into your head, trying to figure out how to move energy in your body. And our bodies are brilliant. Our bodies do it all. You know, I always share the story um, or this analogy of when you burn your finger or you cut yourself, what do you go do? You grab the ointment and the band-aid, you grab ice, right? Like that's what we do. We think that's doing the healing. <laughs> and really what's doing the healing is the body. Um, and I believe that the reason that when we experience a cut or a burn, we say, ouch, ouch, this hurts, this is painful. The reason there's a strong sensation is by design 
so that the body, the brain, it signals to the rest of the body and the brain, all of it, this area, 911 needs our support. Send healing over here. And the healing begins. The challenges with our emotions is that we've learned to override them with our mind to fix it, to make it want to go away, to tell ourselves it's fine, I don't feel this way, let me take this to numb it, all that stuff. We try and control it instead of loving and get, getting curious, like giving so much attention there, just like the attention of a burn, as much as you try and not focus on it, your focus is there. <laughs> it's intense. So same thing, bringing that attention to wherever you're feeling it, as soon as you're present to it, and then naming it uh, with love, compassion, curiosity, staying with it, staying with it. And what you're doing is your, your, your nervous system is attuning to it. It's like, oh, okay. All right. This is what there is to be with. And it shifts. You, and you build that capacity. I asked the question before if men and women um, experience trauma in a different way, like how they how they actually experience it. And you had mentioned that it was more what they were what they were taught, what they saw, how how um, what was emulated for them as mm -hmm. trauma it was experienced in their life. I'm sure there are differences in the way that men and women process through. Anthony mentioned, you know, there's like this, maybe that's our father. I mean, we were, it was like happier. It was angrier, happy. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of emotional um, understanding in the middle there. You know, you, you definitely knew how he felt as soon as he walked in the door and either you engaged with him or you got the hell away from him. It was one of the two things there. Um, but in the, with the men that we work with and the people that we, we see on a regular basis, it's people have a, men especially have a tough time like understanding one what their emotions are and then two that it's okay it's it's okay to feel vulnerable it's okay to like lean into those emotions and not i, I know what i did I, I pushed everything down for a long period of time i mm -hmm. like stuffed it down in here and i'm like i don't want anybody to see this i'm just gonna like lock it in and not be myself you mentioned that your yeah. your fiance was like just be you I, that's all i want it's just a fucking raw real you and that hit home with me because I like I, I stuffed down shit so much that you, you forget who that raw, real you is. And I think a lot of it mm -hmm. is, you know, men are just afraid to show that that real side and like really look internally to do that work. So do you see a difference in the way that men and women mm -hmm. handle trauma, like, um, you know, try to deal with it or, or work through it? Mm, yeah. I mean, inside of my program, there's I've definitely attracted a lot of uh, alpha males, um, uh, which I'm grateful for, meaning ones that, you know, normally wouldn't do this, um, have never cried before in their life. And I get them to cry like Niagara Falls. <laughs> um, so I'm grateful that they feel safe. But I think um, that the women have been leading the path and the way for more inner child healing work. And um, men are now starting to catch up to that, that I think there's still this desire to gravitate towards something that's going to be more macho and and like a tough way as opposed to feely, feely uh, kind of way. And 
Um, the truth is that the feely feely is actually the tough work. It's what takes the most courage. So they, they discover that. Uh, but again, that's again, part of the limited programming that they're handed with. So, um, but as far as like specific traumas, um, I've seen it all that like, I, I really still don't feel that it's like, you know, more women than men. I've seen women that, that hide and they don't feel safe and they're just like staying in their shell. I've seen men that stay behind their wall and it takes longer to break. So there's, um, I think there's like a, there's a physical, there's an energy to it. Yes. Like the way that I just described yeah. that for women, it'll be like more this like timid, shy. I'm, I'm like, no, I just want to still stay in my shell. And men are like, no, I think I'm good. Yeah. I'm just here to watch and observe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those that aren't ready for it, as far as, uh, as I look at um, people that have participated in my work, but then equally enough, you'll see the men and the women that, that are willing, that are ready, and that could both uh, face it in similar ways in, you know, huge releases. Like I said, I've seen some, you know, big quote unquote, tough alpha guys, you know, some of them, Oh yeah, I've yeah. cracked them to cry. <laughs> you know, That's I remember, beautiful. I remember, um, Angelo, what did it for him is when I guided him through healing something and then I gave him the new affirmation to repeat which was I'm a gift to others and as soon as he repeated that it just got to his bones and you know what a gift he oh, is yeah, to the world absolutely. He, does, yeah. he does great men's work and it was Niagara Falls <laughs> not all over the place it's my favorite it's my favorite to, to see men finally give themselves permission to get in touch and feel an emotion that they've never accessed before and definitely didn't see their father model to them. So, um, but some men did have fathers that were mushy gushy and it's like, Oh, my dad cried so much. And you know, he needed more of a backbone. My mom was controlling. And so it's like, Oh, I know how to be weak and cry. So again, it wasn't still, even though it was modeled to them, it wasn't seen as the way to be. It was still seen as weak. And the men and, and women both that are reaching out to you, they're ready to do the work. They're, they're understanding, like, I'm going to make a commitment. And, you know, you know, when you if you're doing a polar plunge, it's going to be fucking cold. You know, mm -hmm. the water's going to be 39 degrees and you're going to, your balls are going to shrivel up. We'll why go back you, to why'd you look at me when you said just, balls? You, you opened the door to your crotch. I'm, I'm sorry. Just, I'm just, I'm just being honest of where I feel it. We're describing what it, you know, God, I'm being authentic I, here. Let me just do me. I have <laughs> balls. Is this news to people? At least one more time in the episode, I'm going to bring them up. I know so you are. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, it's going to be fucking cold when you do a polar plunge, you jump in the water, you're ready for it. So people that are working with you, they're like, you know what? Yeah. I know what's ahead. I know I'm going to do this difficult work, but I'm ready. I'm going to, you know, jump in the water. I'm, I'm going full force forward. What do you say to people that aren't ready to do that? So now they're, they're like standing on the sand and they're like, eh, it's cold. I'm not, I'm not going in. I'm not ready mm -hmm. for that right now. What's one step someone mm -hmm. could take that's really, really like, mm, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's very interesting because I feel that um, even people that are ready, they're still very scared because it's so unknown. And there's the fear of, but what if I'm that one person that this doesn't work for? And I let them know, oh, it's, oh, let me save you time. It's not going to work for you. They're like, what? I'm like, it's only going to work with you. Only. Like, the modules work. I'll show up 100%. So it's really up to you how you show up. Just like a gym. You could have the nicest gym, best equipment, you know, great trainers, cleanest locker room. But if you don't do your part, you're not going to get the results. So there is that fear. And it's common even for people like that for what comes up for them is their patterns is that like sabotage. And there's people that do sign up that um, aren't ready. And so they will take their time in the program. And I think that's the gift of being in a group program is you got those that are willing to be the, the, the lead players and jump on the court. And you got those that are still sitting on the sidelines, watching and seeing and testing it out. And then, you know, for Chris and I, I feel our part of our job is to recognize who's still playing small and sitting on the sideline and calling them forward. Like if someone doesn't show up to a few calls and they're not really doing the work, I'll give them a personal call because I care. And I know that most likely they've gotten away with their whole life thinking that they don't matter and, and no one sees them and that they're invisible and that they could just keep doing this and no one's actually going to stand and uh, stand for them. And so when I do that, those are the people that then are like, wow, like she, she believes in me. That's what we all needed. That's what you needed from your father. You need him to just believe in you that, you know what? These kids, let them do what they do. You're amazing. You don't need to fight them. You don't need to prove yourself to them. That's just because they're scaredy, right? He didn't say that. So I show them that belief that I believe in them, that they can do it. And um, and that makes a difference for people. So I don't know that I answered your question. I went off on my own <laughs> journey here. And I do want to answer your question for people that aren't ready, that aren't there yet, that don't feel like they can take that step. Hmm, check in with what are you ready for? Because I only want people that are ready. This is not a program that we do like discounts for, or like here's a sale this month, or let me sell you on it. Because again, if you don't, if you're not ready, then you're you're not going to do the work and get the results. Um, so for people that aren't asking themselves, what am I ready for? And take that baby step in your growth. Am I ready to read a book? about this stuff and start to become aware. I mean, awareness is what I call stage one of the five stages of transformation. Um, and, and by doing that, you're inviting in the universe to support you and show you where, oh, wow, 
this is this is here and if i don't face this uh it's not just gonna go away it's gonna be here and now and now i know you know and they say like ignorance is bliss ignorance is a tragedy in in that case and so when you start to become aware of it um you may really look at well you know what you have to get to a point where the 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 fear of moving forward uh, is is much less <laughs> right than the fear of staying where you're at the pain of staying with what you're at and um so yeah most people it takes them reaching the point where as much as they think that they can compensate for it in some way or figure it out they get to that place where they can't where they really experience how powerless they are in doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result right. yeah definition of insanity it really, and it's yeah. just it you you talk and it just remind we talked about this so much today so that's why i want to bring it up because we talked about it with chris and we talked to someone else today just about the idea of vulnerability right and how you know for me it scares the crap out of me because again that's like my protection you know i've been protecting that my whole life like my authentic self is also i look at it as my most vulnerable self and i get so scared of presenting that because if i do that in my head because of all of my past experiences from my childhood that's going to get me killed that's going to get me ostracized that's going to i'm going to be alone and kicked out of my tribe and you know it's like trying to unpack pack that for me is such a scary place to be in so like when you talk about this i just can imagine how freeing it is to finally unleash that and have someone like you to be like i still accept you i still love you for who you just showed me you know who you really are in that mm-hmm. yeah 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 you know it thank you and it's it's unfortunate that still in this moment i think my biggest challenge as um, someone that is that my mission is to uh, end generational trauma and normalize healing trauma that my biggest challenge is that it's not normalized and that people still have it as this like scary thing instead of like uh, it's going to be the most freeing experience on the other side and it's going to take some work um and you don't have to do it alone you get to do it with a tribe you get to do it with those that have already paved the path for you you get to do it with tools that are you know proven and work you don't have to do it alone or you know invent the wheel yourself um but i sympathize and i'm so far removed from 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 that place for myself Hmm. Actually, let me check in with that. Oh, I take that back. Um, I can sympathize with it and I can relate to it because there's areas that I'm now in my relationship exploring and stepping into and I'll vulnerable share here. Um, I'm about to hire a sexologist. So, you know, my, my fiance and I really want to take our intimacy and the way that we engage in the in intimacy and in the bedroom to a level that is beyond what uh, what we've learned and what we know and what we've been taught and and 
what's possible and the patriarchy and all that that um is is vulnerable at this moment and i remember having my call with her a couple of weeks ago and to her she's been doing this 25 years and she's like oh yeah yeah in in the bat like it's done (laughs) you're good in my hands and i'm like wow yeah and it's it's the same way that i feel when i speak to a new prospect and they share their story and i'm like yep i've heard this one 55 times (laughs) oh i'm so and then i'm like i'm so excited because i i know it's possible and i know they don't she's like i got you i got you and i said and even though she says that taking the step and it's not only the financial investment but it's the investment of like our efforts feels feels scary feels vulnerable feels like but what if we're the ones that like it like nothing changes from it and like well that was a waste and i know that's not true because in every coach that i've ever invested in and i and i look I don't look for the the best deal. I don't look for the cheapest ones. I look for the experienced ones. <laughs> um, so in everyone that I've worked with, yeah, I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I grew from that. Um, but yeah, it's still there's still a part. So you want to acknowledge Anthony that it's not all of you that feels this way. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of you. There's just one part of all of you that has that experience and that opinion. And then there's also another part that's like, Ooh, I'm really curious. And another part that's like, Oh, come on, we could do this. Like this (laughs) would be exciting. And another part that's like, I think it'd be fun. And I'm deciding to listen to that one part. That's like, says you're scared and it's like, Oh, that that's correct. That's my truth. Yeah. 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 It's, it's what I call, you know, when you go to dinner and you guys are from New Jersey, so I'm sure you've had dinner with an, are you guys Italian? We are. Last name is Meralda. Okay. Yeah. All right. So when you have dinner with your whole family, uh, do you have that one relative that's really loud? That's our sister Tara. That's uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so everyone hears Tara, that's for sure. And so in my in my program, I actually use this metaphor of the dinner party and that and that one of the our journaling practices is that you have a dinner party with yourself every time something comes up. If you think that you could solve this in your head, it's like trying to hear the rest of the people at the dinner. But all you hear is your sister, Tara. It's impossible. <laughs> you, you can't. It's, there's no way. You can't. So when you're challenged with something or where you, when you're feeling something, bring it to the journal. Dump it out as if you were um, recording the dinner conversation, right? So you would hear all the parts. Maybe at one second you hear Tara, and then for a second you could hear Dennis, and then you could hear your mom, right? So writing it all out. And then you could read back and choose to to listen to the other parts. And so we do this with what I call our parts, which are the ego, which is just there to protect you. We do need the ego. It's your ultimate protector. Mm -hmm. Um, And it usually sounds like, um, well, the ego just wants to avoid the internal and focus outside. 
let me focus outside of me. So anything external. Oh, well, you know, you're better than that person. So, or you could win this, or you have to do this. Yeah, or you're right, she's wrong, right? Like in a fight with someone, if you're fighting with your with your girlfriend or something, it's like, well, she's, she's so wrong, I'm so right. That's your ego speaking yeah. right there. Then you have your inner critic, Anthony, you should have done this, or you, you did this wrong. You could have done this better. We all know what our inner critic sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have your inner child. And your inner child is what I also call your emotions. And so anytime you're expressing any emotion, like I'm scared, I'm sad. Um, yeah, I, I'm frustrated. That's, that's, your, that's little Anthony speaking. And then there's your heart and your heart should scare the fuck out of you <laughs> because that's, that's the ultimate courage, right? Cause what your heart desires is scares us so much because it's our heart's desire that what if I don't get that, then it's like, I just didn't get the one thing I really wanted. So all your wants, all your desires, that's your heart speaking and your access to that is your inner child is feeling through all the emotions. So imagine this, imagine your, your, your little boy walking into the room. I, Dennis, you're a father, Anthony. I don't know if you are, but you're an uncle. I am an uncle. Godfather. <laughs> there we go. Yes, Godfather. So your niece, your nephew, whoever, or or for you, Dennis, your one of your kids walks into the room and they're expressing, I'm I'm scared. I'm really scared to go to class and to present my project or whatever. What would they need to hear from you? Well, I would I would usually like bring them closer to me first just like that you know yeah. relational thing like that like Embrace i am there them. to support you so even yeah. just like the that um you know nonverbal communication i'm such a student yeah. so i like i would be really um conscious of my nonverbal communication and i would say one it's going to be okay you know like i, I would like kind of say you know it's going to be okay i'm uh, here i'm here like let's work through this together i'm here for mm-hmm. you you're and, not alone yep. yeah and without i also believe without giving them the answer like helping them come to it themselves and and go through that journey themselves but just physically being there letting them know that i'm here to listen and to support mm-hmm. yeah and then you would probably give like i believe in you you're you're smart you're gonna do great you're gonna affirm you them you got right? this yeah and so this is the same thing that we get to do challenges when you don't take it out of your head and onto paper and you're just for a second noticing the anxiety and then the ego takes over real quick so yeah we don't need this we're good for now you're good you're okay you don't need this you're not going to hear your heart or your inner child your ego is going to step in and protect you oh let's just go watch a movie instead Let's not do this. It's going to distract you. And so the most important part is getting it out on paper and then reading it back and looking for that child. So anywhere that you're mentioning, I I feel dot, 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 or I am dot, 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 or I feel like, which usually what comes after that is some limiting belief. I feel like she doesn't listen to me. 
Oh, well, where do I feel like I'm not heard? Oh, where does where does little Anthony feel like he's not heard? That others don't care what he has to say. Oh, okay. Now again, let me imagine little Anthony coming into the room and saying that. I don't feel heard. People don't listen to me. I'm not liked. What would you do? Like you said, nonverbal communication, hold. I'm here. It's okay. You can feel it. And I imagine there'd be some sadness there. Yeah, you could feel that. Where do you feel it? You can feel it. And then moving through that. And, you know, when we do that with our kids, they get to actually move through their experience. And most parents are, did not learn to do this. They learn to fix it. Oh, you're fine. Why are you making a big deal? Don't make a big deal. Go play with your sister. Go outside. And then they, oh, they get more frustrated because they just want to be held in their experience. And it's the same thing we get to do for ourselves. We get to hold ourselves through our experience. Because when you hold a child through their experience, they'll move through it in about 90 seconds. And then what happens? It's forgotten. They're excited and they're ready to create something next. Oh, can we go do this or come do that or bye? I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go play. And they feel amazing again. And it's the same thing. You want to access your creativity. You want to access your courage, your heart. You have to tend to the inner child. You have to tend to the emotions that are there. I want to give little Anthony a hug. Fuck. I want to give. There we go. I be here I, doesn't it make you it makes me sad when i think about it though like i needed like i want to give myself what i needed as a child and like i every yes. time i think about this it makes me so upset and like even though like i can still work with that who i am today you know like i'm just a grown-up little anthony and mm -hmm. but i'm just like oh i wish i was there for that person and could give him what he needed and what he was looking for because i know so many instances that i needed something and yeah. i didn't get it and i know that that shows up in so many areas of my life and it just it really makes me so sad to to think about that you know <laughs> like when you when you said little anthony i'm just like fuck little anthony like this little guy just yeah. needs some help but uh, yeah. yeah it's okay it's okay anthony you can feel it i'm feeling right it now. yeah yeah you can feel that sadness yeah and this is exactly the journey that we take people on in training care for the soul that's it yep that's it it's it's the giving yourself yourself what you needed from yourself aka mom like giving that foundation back of safety and unconditional love and the nurturing and then feeling solid within yourself to know that no matter what mom's here with me no matter what i'm safe now i'm ready to step out into the world and face the dragon that I need to slay. <laughs> so the father issues, I always tell my clients that are like, oh, all my stuff is daddy. Mom was good. I'm like, forget mom, dad. Look at it as self and others. Do you really feel solid within yourself that you know to show up for yourself and create your own safety? Oh no, not, not there yet. Yeah, let's get that down because you will not be ready 
to step into the world and to slay that dragon and to create what you want to create and to be vulnerable with others and to step on that stage and let others see you until you nurture and reconnect and learn to mother yourself the way that mom never mothered you and to learn to therefore father yourself. And not, you mentioned that awareness was the first step. You know, you said there were five steps and and awareness was the, was the first. Can you walk us through what the other four would be? How do, how do we go about this process? Mm, okay. Is that, is that, is that like, is, do yes. I have to pay the, the tuition to, to get no. those five steps? Or? No, no, no. Sorry. That was my Jersey sarcasm coming in. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I, I love sharing this. I think it's very important and I share it on many podcasts. Um, cause I, I think a lot of times what's missing is that we don't know what transformation really takes. And for those that are, eager, ready growth seekers like myself. Um, I started on this journey 16 and a half years ago. And for eight of those years, I was skipping steps unknowingly. I was trimming weeds. And so I do feel that it's important for people to know because for those of you that have been on the path for a while and you're frustrated, like where I was, eight years in was frustrated that life still looked the same, but I've been at this for eight years and you feel almost hopeless. Like you want to give up and like, okay, well maybe I just can't change and this is the way it is. And I just have to accept it. Then as you listen to these five stages, notice what, what you skipped or notice where you're at. And for those of you that have, that this is new for you and maybe have never embarked on it and you want to know what real transformation takes and is, then, then listen up to this. So yeah, so stage one is awareness and awareness is usually what leads people to, to, to the work, whether it's some area of their life where they're challenged. And when, when, when you work with me, we don't just deal with reacting. Like I'm not just giving you tools for you to react to the next thing that you become aware of. We're actually going to do a deep dive balls deep. Had to say it. Well done. You. There it is. You well can't done. do another one now because she did the last one. So I don't want to hear my I did it. I did it. Thank you. Anna. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so we're going to do a deep dive to uncover all areas of your garden, everything that's there. So we're going to bring more stuff to your awareness before you wait for it to happen to you one day in your life, maybe never. So we're going to bring everything that's been dormant up to the surface for you to see. Right. So awareness is where people start. It's very important. And like, that's how much deeper there is to, to unveil it. That's stage one. Stage two is what I call acceptance and commitment. And to me, this is one of the most important steps and one of the most um, misunderstood steps. Because most people, when there's something they become aware of, they don't like it and they want to fix it and change it and how do i make it go away i've lived with this anxiety all this time how do i make it go away 
And that in and of itself is not acceptance. And in that moment, they are disconnecting from being able to continue on with those stages. And so acceptance is a very, has a lot of context to it. it it's really the start of learning to be with what you are experiencing and to accept what did happen to you and not just accept it on a mind level like okay daddy worked 16 hours a day but i know that he was just providing for the family and that he loved us right that's the compartmentalizing that's the logicking that's the mindset work and i'm not knocking mindset work the mind is important but not to override our experience and so in accepting it is allowing yourself to feel that. Like I said to you a few minutes ago, Anthony, yeah, feel that, feel the sadness of what little Anthony wanted, but he didn't get. Like he needed that, he really needed that from mommy and from dad, and he didn't have that. And so spending some time like in that level of like accepting it. And this is where the times people can't move forward on their own because accepting this may mean like accepting something i'm trying to find an example here accepting something about your father may mean that you actually have to forgive him but you've been holding on to the story that i'm never talking to him again he's a fucking asshole i hope i can curse yeah, that's <laughs> I fine. Imagine again. <laughs> right and so there's the holding on to the survival mechanisms that you've created for yourself for so long, right? Your new truth, like, nope, cut him out of my life or cut her or I'm done or like whatever your truth is, acceptance is going to rattle and shake your truth, your identity up until that moment. And so this is where being guided and working with someone and being in a group where other people are also being willing to accept and shed their old beliefs and old identity is important and supportive um so yeah so that's stage two so acceptance and once we get there then there's a level of commitment that you could really commit to and then stage three is getting to the root of it and the root of it is below the ground right and a lot of times like my experience of all the work i did for eight years was on the surface and the root of it existed in the emotional body in our sensations and you know i don't know if you've heard this or if you read the book the body keeps the score but the issues are in your tissues your trauma lives in your in 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 your body in your energetic body in your fascia and all of that so you got to get to the root of it and this is where the tools start coming in this is where um we guide you to tracking well where anthony where is that sadness that you felt a few minutes ago where is that in your body does it have a shape a color texture right naming it as well as the root of it could be if you remember a particular time like dennis when mom walked into the room and said to you you just lost your best friend 
if you if we could rewind the movie, Dennis, and go back to that moment and press play, what did you see? What did you hear? So you heard mom say this. You saw her face. You saw dad's face of disgust at you. How did you feel? What did you say to yourself in that moment? So reconnecting to that experience in that moment so that you're feeling where you stored, where in your body you stored that trauma and then observing it and then holding and giving little Dennis or little Anthony exactly what they needed in that moment. That if you knew you were safe, what did you need to express in that moment? Or what would you have done? Or if you knew you were safe, what would you, what did you need to hear from mom? Or what would you have expressed to dad in that moment? So we start to edit the script. We're at it on a root level where we could edit it and rewrite it and complete the loop that never got completed, but got diverted. Because in that moment, Dennis, you didn't have, your nervous system did not have the capacity to process that experience. So what'd you do? You came up with some survival mechanism. What was that? Do you know? I know exactly. I What I tried to do was not make waves. I needed to, to change how I showed up to make other people happy. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I have to do to not have that confrontation to just so if, if dad wants me to do this i'm going to do it and not make any waves i'm not going to argue with people i'm just going to kind of like conform and yeah. i became a chameleon yeah. in my life for a long period of time and i yeah. didn't understand why you know i really didn't understand yep. why yep and there you go and so the process in stage three is to go back complete that loop rewrite it free that energy and that's stage four. Stage four is releasing and then replacing. So I want to talk about releasing for a second because um, the body releases in many ways. And some of these people experience and they don't even realize that it's, it's a good thing. So when you start tremoring, if your body starts shaking, usually when we start shaking, we think it's a negative thing. We say, wait, why, why am I shaking? Why am I shaking? And you like stop yourself from shaking, right? That's a very common way that the nervous system downregulates and releases energy. Another form of release is yawning. And we think we're tired. No, no, no. You're not tired. <laughs> Unless it's like 2 a.m. and you haven't slept all day. Your body is releasing. And when I mean yawning, I mean consistent yawning. Like I've seen clients that in, in a matter of a minute will yawn 40 times. It's just yawning. I'm a yawner. I yawn a lot when I'm releasing. Burping is another form of release. And again, I do not mean because you just drank a soda or ate a great meal. And it's also could be consistent in big burps, especially if you had the tendency to stuff things down, right? Like you, Dennis, if yeah. you've been stuffing energy down, then yeah. Um, uh, crying. Yeah, I mean, that's what we did when, when we were born. It's a very powerful form of release. So letting energy move through you as liquid, right? Let it flow out of you. So crying is a form of release. 
catharsis is a form of release. Sometimes how, I mean, if you think about the energy of anger, um, it's, it's intense and it wants to be screamed into a pillow or punched. It wants to move in that way. Caveat there though, there's people that are so used to it. I'm, if I'm not, if it's not big, then I'm not releasing. And clients like that, that have a tendency to have big releases, I've actually learned to have them not use that anymore because what they're doing is they're avoiding the the softer releases. They're like, I just want to tremor and cry because I felt so powerless. Um, and then my favorite is laughing, laughing attacks. That's another form of release. And I've seen that many times and it always catches people by surprise what they find where joy is actually hidden underneath a traumatic experience or, or, or a powerless experience for them. And then sometimes um, hot and cold flashes and sometimes it just wants to dissipate. So it just depends on it. But those are the ways that the body releases um, when, when we move through those stages and we do that process. So now that it's released, and this is something that I notice a lot in, in people that do, do, uh, shadow work, inner child healing work, like clients of mine that are like, oh yeah, you know, I I've done, I've done work like this. What's missing a lot of times is the replacing is that now that they've cleared their old, they're not actually planting in something new. And so just like a script, if you, you know, if you're removing something, uh, a behavior, like what are you putting in instead? So, cause otherwise you're just going to act the same way. This is actually very common with plant medicine. And it was my experience with plant medicine is, um, Plant medicine, whether it's mushrooms or ayahuasca, uh, we'll just stick to those two for now, um, has, or even smoking um, cannabis, uh, has a very powerful way of dropping us into our body, downregulating the nervous system. And so the body could start having releasing and purging and all, you know, all these things. And that was my experience when I've done plant medicine but you come out of it and you're like, wow, that was an amazing experience. I feel so much lighter. But if you don't know what you actually released on a conscious level, what beliefs were there, and you're not putting in new beliefs, new behaviors, you're just going to reinforce the old. And that happened to me over and over again. But that's a whole nother podcast interview Part two. about yeah, how to work with psychedelics. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so making sure that you replace, you really check in. And a lot of times, you know, when there's space, you will feel, you'll feel like this is gone. Like there, I feel spacious. There is room for something new. And so what's available? What's possible now that wasn't before? And not answering it from your mind, like, oh, well, I removed the belief that like, I have to please everyone. So now it must be that like, you know, I get to have boundaries. Like it, it's not, it's not a logical thing. It's allowing it to just come through from, from your body of like what, what wants to be birthed and created. And sometimes it could be, I love myself. I accept myself. 
that someone comes into a, a healing seat, as I call it, experience, and they worked on, you know, a really big trauma and belief, but they've never held themselves before. They've never accepted this. They've always rejected it. They've always um, not wanted to feel that anxiety or that fear. And that experience, what just became possible for them at that level was, I, I'm here for me. I love myself. I accept myself. So either way, you get to create and replace with the beliefs that you want. Um, so now stage five. Stage five is what I call uh, integration and education. So think about your garden again. Uh, you had the weeds in the garden. We got to the root. We planted new seeds. But if you don't water it, nothing's going to grow. And so when you plant a new belief, it's, it's a belief. It's a statement. You have to go out in the world and act it out and behave for it to become real. And so taking action is what's going to integrate. And that could be anything from a new behavior to stopping old behaviors. If you have a new belief of I am healthy and I am strong, well, an action could be going into your fridge, into your cupboards and cleaning out all the junk food. That's an action. Another action is joining a gym and then showing up for the gym, right? So it's like, how much can I start to act as the person that has these new beliefs? And then what I call education, because sometimes we don't know what to do. Like for me, declaring I am vulnerable, I was like, cool, great. I know the meaning, but I have no, I, I don't know how to act that out. I have no framework for it. And this is where reading a book on intimacy or going to a retreat specifically for something like that, um, uh, listening to an expert that covers that on a podcast, this is where there's actually room for their model, their tools to be, to be received. And what I see a lot of times to tie this all together is people skip stage two, three, and four. They go from, oh, I'm aware, I have this horrible pattern, behavior, I don't wanna be like this anymore, I wanna be like this. So I'm gonna go pick up a book about it, I'm gonna do some Googling research on it, and I'm gonna start to act like that person. And so for me, for example, to go from like, well, okay, my partner tells me I'm still not vulnerable, Oh, let me go pick up a book on vulnerability that says, okay, so sit and eye gaze and tell, tell him how you feel. <laughs> okay, it's giving me steps of what to do. But if I have beliefs of uh, don't trust men, men will hurt you, you're not safe, you're invisible, then that's going to sabotage it. And that's what you see a lot. You see people that are committed and that are making effort, but that are failing at it over and over again, because they're, they're, they're not clearing what's still there. There's so much <laughs> there. I, there's one piece that you said and on. Thank you for that journey. That really, that was, that blew my mind. One thing that you said <laughs> that like dug deep was when you were talking about the, like, 
the 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 spot of like how it manifests itself the the crying the 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 release portion of yes, it the, nice. the, the 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 tremor part is what got me and so a deep dive and i'll share a you know a vulnerable spot here um having you know gotten out of you know out of a marriage uh it being divorced within the last year i've been I, i'm dating someone now julie who was the first female guest on the podcast and going through like talking about trauma and and how trauma manifests itself and how toxicity in past relationships and how it shows up and and there was always a time where i i was kind of guarded about how i showed up in my marriage and how you know how i felt about myself in my marriage and i just protected it i didn't want to go there because i felt like if i showed her that part of me or how i was that she would think less of me and so i always mm -hmm. i didn't deal with it and then finally one night we're sitting on my couch and and she's like you know what is it and i finally i just i kind of like let it loose i let it out and i was like there's a part of me that is so afraid to tell you how i was because i felt like i was such I was such a puss. I, I really like the, the way that I showed mm -hmm. up was so passive and, and I let, I got kind of walked on and I, you know, now understanding like how I, where that came from in learned my life it. and how yeah. I learned it and how it just became what I did in a relationship. But I was so afraid to tell her that because the, the healing that I've done is not, that's not the way I show up in my relationship with Julie. And I feel like the way that I am and the way that I process things and the way that I handle emotions and, and even just being able to, you know, set boundaries for myself and stand up for myself in a way that's healthy in a relationship. I was so afraid to say that as I was going through saying it, I couldn't stop shaking. I was like, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I was like, I, mm -hmm. but the tremor part, I was like, I didn't understand why I was shaking in that way, but it was a release yeah. of that, like letting myself feel it and just be like, yep. all right, it's, I'm letting it out right now. So I, as I'm going through it, I didn't recognize that that's what I was doing. And, and thank you for mm -hmm. sharing it. I mean, this was, it was really helpful for me to continue to process through that whole, that whole experience. The amount of breakthroughs I feel like Dennis and I have both yeah. had <laughs> really? in this, you know, short conversation that we've had is amazing. Like I would yawn all the time before giving a speech or anything. I would yawn uncontrolled. I would also be very shaky, but I was yawning like nonstop and I'm like oh why am I yawning like I'm not tired I can't stop mm -hmm. yawning and mm -hmm. my hands are going crazy and I'm yawning and I just wouldn't be able like it was like like 30 of them before I would say anything or even if I thought I would was going to speak the yawning would just come on like and it's just mm -hmm. when you said that I was like holy crap that makes so much sense mm -hmm. I was just it yeah really, one of the powerful um, tools to support it moving quicker in those moments, because it's also it's it's, it's trying, um, is 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 the breath. It's taking deep deep breaths, uh, and you can imagine just the breath is what is sourcing all of us and expanding and saying like, okay, I I can expand to this place. I can hold this this experience of getting up on stage right now and that was the same for me when i started podcasting like i said my first three podcasts ever i was just sitting there and i would shake and i'm like i'm so glad this isn't on camera <laughs> but like i couldn't stop shaking as i was leading it 
because uh, it was, again, it's a new experience. So anytime you have a new experience or an experience that you don't have the capacity for, your your nervous system is acclimating to it. And that's one of the ways that it's doing that. It's, it's releasing that, like, the the sympathetic state, the, the fight, the flight, the freeze. It's working to downregulate you as you are stepping out beyond your comfort zones into something that feels painful, scary, unknown, sad, all of it. And that's where the resiliency gets built. If you've never allowed yourself to be in a certain emotion, then yeah, the first time it's it, it may feel intense or new, or there may be a lot of different releases with it. I'll tell you, in your journey to normalize trauma, you know, when you when you were saying like you want that to be a part of, of culture, that it's it's more normalized how we understand it and process it and deal with it. I truly believe that what you're talking about should be a part of every single teacher preparation program in every college in the country. I mean, there should be a, you know, a training camp for the soul part of for for anyone that's working with children should have to go through your course i i totally believe that a hundred percent and as i work to re rework education in the country you're going to be a part of that it, it has to be it has to be a part of it yes. it, it just it's such a powerful message and not and I truly appreciate and we truly appreciate you coming on our podcast today. This has been mm -hmm. such an enlightening hour and a half for for us. And um, I would love to have you back on. Uh, we're, we're not I mean, we, we're not done with this conversation. Yeah, I have means. so many other I swear to, I have so many thoughts in my head and so many things I could ask you right now. But this was like that was it like without even knowing us. I feel like you just like. Uh, like unlocked all of these things we, I, my mind is going and I'm just like relating everything that you're talking about to myself and my past experiences and I know my brother's doing the same thing where it's mm -hmm. just like it's all popping up and you know it's mm -hmm. it's really like everything you're saying it just makes me feel comfortable with it and that's such a uh, you know such a power that you have is like I'm like oh I'm not crazy I don't need to label it or think I'm like bad for yeah. thinking or feeling that and it's just I I thank you so much for that thank you thank you thank you um, I, I I do believe that's part of normalizing it is it starts with all right you guys don't have to dive in you can sit in in the stage or not in the stage in the um the word for it the audience the, sit on the, yeah. in the audience thank you sit on the stage huh. it's friday <laughs> this is where i'm at um you could sit in the audience and i think the first part is is really a new context new education uh for people to understand what trauma is how it lives in the body the ways to to release it like all this stuff and that's why i, I give that context on a lot of podcasts so people are like it's not that scary it's just scary because the you it seems so foreign and so unknown um but yeah and i uh as you were dennis as you're sharing about teachers and that this should be a part of um you know their their training and that that's part of your mission i was like i'm right there with him yeah. i love this yes. you and me brother let's, let's go it. brothers Let it, let's do this the the jersey crew that's it why not yeah that's come right. on back to the coming in hot place. yeah that's it so and then the other yeah. thing i learned today is that your trauma we're going to call her tara from now on tara with a capital yeah T i know i can't wait to approach my trauma it's like 
The capital T Tara is uh, She was trauma. the one who was talking. She wouldn't let you. I, I love that. Shut love up, that. Tara. God. Just gonna... oh, well, <laughs> again, and where can you bring Tara some compassion? Because that's how she survived oh, whatever yeah. her experience was. Yeah. We're, yeah. We'll have Tara so... on the podcast. She is, she is a fucking hoot. She yeah, is. She's... she's the life of the party in every party she's yeah. ever been to. Yeah, it's yeah. really amazing. Uh, um, now, where can, where can the... Uh, people from the building men podcast where can our audience find you yeah so i'm on instagram and i like to get to know my followers so if you follow me you're gonna get a dm from me because i want to get to know you i want to know why you're why you're interested in me so that we can best support each other um so not dot perry at instagram and if you're interested in any of my work training camp for the soul.com not Perry. Thank you so much, Anthony. Any final words? No, I'm. I need to reflect on this conversation. Yeah, we need to, so have, we need to have a long a walk. Long and you need to just hug me, and inner child Anthony, little Anthony. Yep, little Anthony. <laughs> I'm gonna go hug him and just give him the love he needs. Follow not Perry on it. on Instagram. Check out Training Camp for the Soul. Uh, I need to be a part. I mean, it's just it's it's yeah. really made a huge impact on on my life just in this short conversation. So I truly appreciate it. Um, we'll put all the information in the show notes. Um, if you haven't done so already, consider leaving a review and, and giving us a rating on, on wherever you're listening to your podcast. It definitely helps other people find our show. Building Men on Instagram at building.men, buildingmencoach at gmail.com. Go a step further than you thought you could go. Anthony's balls. We'll see you next time on Building Men. <laughs>